0: Welcome back to a fresh episode of Business Growth Show. I'm your host, Sam Dunning, co-owner over at webchoiceuk.com. And if you haven't yet, check out my weekly emails where I'm showing actionable B2B marketing, website and SEO tips, useful podcasts, goodies, and more. You can give it a shot over at businessgrowth.email. Joining me today, I've got Esther Flammer. Esther is the CMO, the Chief Marketing Officer over at Reich. Esther, welcome to the show. How are we doing?
1: Doing really well. How are you doing today?
0: Very good. Looking forward to the chat. We're going to be talking about something that's super relevant and I think it's going to be very, very helpful, especially with what's going on in the B2B technology SaaS world right now. We've been chatting how Everyone, how business owners, marketers can do more with less, how they can up their marketing impact on revenue with less spend, whether that is on resource, ad spend or elsewhere. Um, So first and foremost, let's jump straight into it, Esther. Why is it important that we need to be able to do more with less when it comes to our B2B marketing in, in the world we're in right now?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, this is top of mind for pretty much every marketer I know um, globally. Uh, We are in an era of no longer growth at all costs mentality. It's Mm -hmm. now growth, but uh, with a very huge focus on efficiency. Um, And so, again, I think this is something that's top of mind for pretty much every marketer out there where budget and resources are getting pulled back. Um, Some of it is maybe warranted. Some of it is maybe uh, to, you know, help kind of prepare uh, the organization or the business for what could be a, a little bit of a difficult year. And so, you know, as those budgets and resources are getting pulled back, I think there are two things that should be very top of mind for every marketing leader out there and every marketer out there. Uh, two things that are absolutely mission critical. Number one, obviously ROI. Um, This is not new for marketing. This is something that should have been top of mind and should have always been top of mind for marketing. But now I think that there's an even greater hyper focus, I would say, on marketing where you have to be able to showcase that for every dollar that you're spending, what is actually coming from it um, and, and how is it actually directly sourcing revenue. Um, the second would be around productivity, um, of your resources, right. Maximizing every single resource that you have, especially when you have limited resources and you're making cuts, um, to maybe agencies or outsourcing or even kind of your own internal teams. Um, you know, what does that look like to, to maximize those limited resources while also continuing to accelerate that time to market and get, get your campaigns, get your launches out the door even faster.
0: Mm. Great intro. So we'll dive into those two topics, making sure you get ROI and making sure you're maxing out your productivity in a set. But why do you think that, especially like I said before, B2B tech, why do you think it's so much tougher at the time of recording this? We're in 2023, but it looks like it's going to be for, for some time. What are you seeing like on, on the market?
1: Yeah, so I think overall, I think that there is obviously a change in the way the uh, buyers are behaving. Um, There is a little bit of a, you know, uh, kind of that pullback mentality from a buyer behavior standpoint where what you're seeing is uh, more of these decisions are having to go up to the C-level, to maybe a CFO, um, et cetera, in order to get approval for budget spend. Um, and it's changing buyer behavior where maybe there was more autonomy to be able to make purchases. Um, and, and then I think the other piece is obviously just some of a pullback in terms of companies really tightening, tightening up Uh, across the board, both budget and resource allocation, largely to one, protect the business. Um, Mm. I think a lot of people are talking about recession-proofing your business and understanding, you know, how do we we face a little bit of a downturn in the economy? How do we maximize every resource that we have where in the last couple of years, there's been more of that, you know, growth at all costs, you know, spend more, hire more. Um, And I think there's been a pullback more so, Partially because there's been a little bit of a lack of productivity, and we've seen a productivity decline over the last couple of years where we're not actually getting as much out of the resources and out of the, uh, the teams that we do have. Um, I think that there's been an acceleration of just the complexity of how people are working in terms mm. of lots of apps, lots of tech, um, hybrid work, you know, people who are working both in an office. Um, and then you also have teams that are remote um, and and having to get that acceleration and alignment um, yeah. and, and maximizing productivity across those resources. But it being much, much more difficult because uh, you can't just all sit around a table and, and and ensure that things are getting done the way that they should be. Um, and then, of course, just, you know, when you're looking at cutting back budgets, marketing obviously is oftentimes the first to be hit. And largely always, it's always right. Bit, It's a big cost center. Um, And sometimes, you know, again, if you're not showcasing ROI and you're not showcasing value to the organization, there's a big question mark there, which is, okay, why are you spending this money? We should just cut it and then see the impact um, and then deal with the impact potentially later. Um, Mm -hmm. And so those are a lot of factors that are happening that are, I think, causing a lot of this, you know, really high pressure environment, I would say for marketers today.
0: Yeah, poor old marketing nearly always gets the cut first, right? So it's (laughs) it's definitely going to be a pressing topic. And this is a bit of a controversial one, but I like to throw these in when we do these kind of episodes. But do you think that, especially in the B2B tech world, that funding is now more accessible than ever and that some companies just are burning through the cash that they're getting from VCs or wherever they're getting it from so fast and not really putting into play some of these things we're going to talk about?
1: I think that's actually what happened over the last few years. Absolutely, I think that there was kind of a free flow of cash, um, where you know lots of high growth companies, lots of SaaS companies out there had the ability to be able to spend um, pretty significantly in in lots of ways. Um, I was actually just talking to a colleague of of, you know, the days of, you know, lots of mass market types of events, giant conferences, where there was just tons and tons of spend uh, on swag, on experiences, on, you know, just kind of any and everything to get your name out the door, to get your customers drinking the Kool-Aid, to, you know, get your prospects in the door. I think you still see a little bit of that, but not nearly as much as what we've, you know, what we saw over the last, you know, five years or so, or decade or so. Um, And I think now it's, number one, it is a different world, um, you know, where number one, you don't necessarily have lots of masses of people congregating in one place necessarily anymore. But yeah. also, right, you, you just don't see just the unlimited amounts of spend for that, again, growth at all costs mentality. And especially this year, um, I think we will see a pullback in a lot of those mass scale events and a lot of the industry types of events where people will be spending a lot on those experiences and spending more on, you know, what are channels, what are areas where you're seeing a direct correlation to revenue, a direct correlation to that ROI.
0: For sure, for sure, um one last thing on this point, Why is it that marketing always get the cut first? I mean often oftentimes they're responsible for bringing in a, a significant chunk of the revenue, whether that's inbound demand or elsewhere. Why do you think it's it's not so much sales that that get the the brunt of it?
1: <laughs> and we're actually seeing cuts across the board, so that that's I think um a, a trend that we're seeing this year is that it's not just marketing, you're actually seeing cuts in every single area of the business, including sales. Um, and that's mm-hmm. maybe not as typical. I do think that marketing gets uh, kind of the first cuts in a lot of ways. Number one, because it is a big cost center. Um, typically there's just, you know, marketing has a significant amount of the budget, uh, again, to be able to drive that demand, that brand awareness, um, and to really, you know, try and, and drive that the revenue growth um so number one i think it's just a big cost center that you know if you're a cfo or if you're uh, you know uh, an executive of an organization you're just looking across the board and you kind of see that chunk of budget and it's very easy to say we'll trim that down by 10 20 30 percent um i think the other piece though is in you know the ability of marketing to be able to showcase the value. And oftentimes there are big question marks um, where sales, you know, uh, yep. in, in various organizations are like, well, we don't know what marketing does, right? Like, yeah, we know you do some events, we know you do some advertising. But again, we're not seeing that necessarily that direct correlation to you spent a dollar and then here was a dollar of revenue or two dollars of revenue that came out of that spend. And so making sure that you're absolutely proving the value, that you're showcasing the data, that you're showcasing every single dollar that we're spending, we're spending it in the best possible, Mm. most cost effective way. Um, And that's where the microscope is right now.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So let's say that our company is facing some hard times what from a marketing sp- perspective what are some of the don'ts like what are some of the, the hard no's that we should avoid when it comes to kind of adjusting our marketing setup
1: yeah so things to avoid you know absolutely when you're making the cuts and making some of the decisions number one i would say is you can't stop and rebuild everything mm. uh you can't just say okay you know we're cutting all of the spend Uh, We need to sit back and and reassess and rebuild and rebuild infrastructure and data and kind of all of those things in order for us to get there. Ideally, you have been taking those steps to be able to build the infrastructure and the data so that, again, you can always prove out ROI. That's kind of the mainstay of marketing. Um, And so you can't stop and you can't slow down. Uh, especially in this, you know, continue to maintain growth, but at a better, um, more efficient and more effective rate. Um, I would say the second thing is you can't, what you can't do is you can't play the blame game, right? Uh, I think oftentimes it's a pointing the finger, you know, or making excuses of, well, well, we just didn't have the right data or it was operations fault because they didn't build what we needed or it was sales fault, you know, cause they're not following up with our leads. That is oftentimes the case when there is yeah. pressure Um, And that will that, you know, that's always a no no. And especially in a high pressure environment um, that won't do you any favors. And so I would say instead, focus on what is working, Uh, figure out, right, what are you know, the 80 20 rule of, you know, 80 percent of your revenue potentially is coming or 80 percent of what's working of where your success is is coming from maybe 20 percent of the business that's a great place to start. Um, so sort of start to figure out what's working, maximize that, find quick, quick optimizations on how do you continue to scale that and then identifying that low-hanging fruit, um, the mm. immediate impact opportunities to stand up quickly. What are things that we haven't necessarily done or haven't gotten around to, where there's huge opportunity um, and, and potentially immediate impact? You don't want to say, you know, well, we're going to build something that mi- we might see, you know, come to fruition in a year. Uh, we need to see immediate impact now in the next one to three months. Start to build that out, test it, iterate, optimize.
0: Yeah. I like the breakdown. So let's pull this. We've started talking about it. So in terms of ROI, um, another, another controversial one, but what do you think is some of the biggest wastes of cash when it comes to marketing or ad or just general spend that B2B companies are doing right now or have been doing recently?
1: You know, again, I would say it's, It's different for every business, you know, uh, because different business models, different audience types, what works for some people doesn't work for others, right? There are Mm -hmm. some companies where events are absolutely like direct correlation to revenue, direct correlation to um, leads and pipeline. And for others, it's kind of a nice to have. So I would say it it really does differ depending on the business. Um, But but this is where uh, it, it always comes down to what... What channels are not directly correlating to revenue? What what can you not necessarily make that that immediate correlation to, again, that we spent a dollar and this is where we got, uh, this is what we got out of it. And oftentimes that is in brand and top of funnel. I don't necessarily, you know, I don't recommend like, okay, completely cut it because that's, that's typically what happens is, immediately. Cut brands, cut big events, right? Like immediately do that. And that's where uh, you need to have the right conversations. You need to have, again, the analytics and the data backing it up on what do you believe it is doing um, and why is it worth the investment? You need to be able to build a business case for, uh, you know, why you're making the decisions that you are. And so again, it's not as like straightforward as, yeah, this this is what, what you need to cut. Um, but right. Oftentimes it is focusing more so on, like I said, immediate impact, which means how do you get to your buyer ready leads? How do you get to bottom of the funnel types of leads? Because that in, in the end, at the end of the day, that is what's most important in terms of being able to drive that revenue, getting yep. meeting meetings, booked, demo requests, trials, all of that. That's essentially the must, you know, must haves. And then the nice-to-haves are the ancillary on top of that that might be influential, but maybe not a direct correlation.
0: Yeah, so let's let's be a bit blunt. Most B2B tech companies are getting their highest intent demo requests, typically from my experience anyway, and feel free to correct me if I'm off base because I'm often wrong. Um, but usually I find paid search, paid review sites, maybe organic SEO, depending on whether they invest in that and they're a mature category. Um, then maybe some outbound sales. Um, targeting high intent prospects those tend to be the top few channels and then as you ease up the funnel maybe i don't know things like webinars events podcasts um, then you're getting into more brand building activity and demand building yep. activity does, does that sound about fair
1: yeah, again, if you're mapping it to the buyer's journey, typically that is where, you know, I would say you start from the bottom, and then you start to make cuts kind of as you go up, uh, up funnel, essentially, and typically it is that top of funnel that kind of gets cut first, maybe middle of funnel, especially if we're not seeing a ton of direct influence into getting them into buyer ready. Um, and then you really keep that bottom of the funnel, which is typically the people who are looking for your software, looking for your uh, solution, which would be paid search and listings and things like that.
0: Yeah, for sure. Imagine if there was a free tool to help you rank better on Google. Introducing Hrefs Webmaster Tools. It audits your website and recommends changes to improve your search rankings and traffic. Href's Webmaster Tools helps you analyse new backlinks from other sites and scope out future partnerships. We use it at my company, WebChoice, and recommend giving it a try for yours. Just search Href's Webmaster Tools and give their free tool a trial today. Are you tired of the competition, stealing your potential clients and website traffic? just because they rank higher than you on Google for the main services or products you offer. Or maybe you're already investing in SEO or marketing, but your website's failing to convert your hard-earned visitors into a steady flow of qualified sales leads. Or perhaps you already work with a web or SEO agency, but they're just not getting you the results they promised. Let's fix that. Get in touch with us over at webchoiceuk.com. That's webchoiceuk.com. Mention the podcast and set up a call with Sam to see if we can help you with results today. Now, where it gets tricky is that some of this stuff can attribute to revenue, not as clearly as, of course, page search, review sites, et cetera. Um, But when you get into more organic channels, and if you're cutting things like, I don't know, an SEO campaign or a podcast or some kind of maybe small community work that you're doing, maybe a Slack channel, whatever it might be, that over time they can pay dividends but can be quite a lot of time, resource, or if you're paying external agencies investment, depending on whatever stroke you get – what are your your thoughts there and it's 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 quite a tricky one i'd imagine for companies to kind of decide what they keep because sometimes organic channels can be managed in-house with your own team quite effectively other times they're done externally but yeah what are your thoughts there
1: yeah so a couple of thoughts there so one is um again Uh, As much as you can, building out attribution to to better understand what that influence is so that ideally you've been able to showcase the value of some of those more ancillary, um, more indirect types of sources uh, so that it's not a complete cut. But if you're unable to prove that value, um, you know, either through leading indicators or through some level of influence, then then yeah, of course, that's most likely to be cut. Um, But I would say the more that you can start to dig into levels of attribution in terms of multi-touch, in terms of influence, to see, hey, when we do invest in display, when we do invest in, uh, you know, some of these brand types of programs, we actually do see an uplift in those, in that lead generation and specifically leads, leads that convert, in our target markets, uh, the more that you're able to showcase that correlation, obviously the better because because again, you want that correlation. I think the second piece though, um, which I think is really important is to continue to maintain and invest in organic types of channels. And largely because you really do, and, and that is a little bit more of a long-term type of approach, which is harder obviously to, to try and create the business case for it in terms of long-term. Uh, versus short term, but you need to invest in the organic channels because that cost of acquisition continues to rise. So again, as you build out the business case, it's, you know, we are obviously maintaining some of the paid spend and the paid channels, but that cost of acquisition is at X amount in terms of cost per lead. But as we continue to invest in infrastructure and in organic and in the appropriate amounts of uh, the channels to try and get organic traffic and organic lead conversion, we start to see the shift in terms of total cost of acquisition go down and so looking at it from a you know holistic standpoint i think is mm. actually really important and it's something that you need to continue to maintain and be able to showcase the value of both um, and be able to explain that to your cfo and to your ceo um, and to your board kind of at every level
0: i was gonna say it's it sounds like that might be a slightly trickier conversation to have as it usually is because um, if you can prove fairly quick returns to revenue which you can with paid channels quite often at the bottom of the funnel where you quickly get demo requests or consult requests or whatever that main call to action is when it comes to organic kind of getting the buy-in for it's going to be three months it's going to be six months it's going to be 12 months from now we're going to see this and then in return we're going to be able to cut our ad spend a little bit we're going to be able to see more organic growth more organic inbound and also as a result we're going to actually build brand equity and more trust in our brand overall,
1: um,
0: those are oftentimes the trickier chats to have, right?
1: Yeah, and that's what I said, is finding the low-hanging fruit and immediate impact types of pilots that you can do, where uh, the more that you can, you know, we're investing a lot, obviously, in our organic infrastructure as well, in order to continue to, to drive not just organic traffic, but conversion of that traffic, And, you know, we actually showcase um, here at Rike, you know, up and out, which is here's kind of what's coming from our paid channels and the amount of leads and traffic, but also from an organic side. And we're able to see a month over month improvement. So if you can showcase immediate value understanding, it's a longer term type of strategy and it will pay dividends um, in Mm. all of those ways that you just said. But if you can also showcase the incremental improvement and direct correlation to that lead, the leads in the pipeline, it's much easier to make that business case.
0: Good, good, good. Let's move on to productivity. Um, you touched on it earlier, but when we say that, what, what does that mean exactly for you?
1: yeah so i think it's interesting you know we saw a lot of shifts over the last three to four years uh you know with kind of the the switch to hybrid the great resignation a lot of people changing jobs um a lot of growth in teams um and then now a lot of cutbacks and like i said i think what's interesting is that there is a lot of there there have been a lot of shifts um Mm. in in the workplace um and in in the work environment as well as how people work, uh, where you can work from anywhere, and so there's a huge influx of all sorts of you know tools and apps and systems that people need to learn and utilize. But it's causing a lot of disruption in the day. Um, right. And so when you're dealing with disparate teams, uh, number one, it's difficult to get alignment. Um, and I see this across the board, where you know there's so many different organizations that don't. Have insight into what other teams are doing. They have competing priorities. Uh, it's very difficult to get cross-functional collaboration on projects and move them forward. Uh, then you're looking at individual teams, um, you know, and marketing is very cross-functional in nature. Uh, and, and so being able to, again, work with different teams who have different priorities, different levels of resources. Uh, everyone's trying to get kind of their own priorities done. And then you're not all in one location, or it's just really difficult to get into one location, and you have different time zones. It's just it's really difficult to align and to get things done. And I think what we've seen is just a huge shift and decline in terms of just general productivity as an organization, like as a whole, um, yep. where people are working more hours, lots more hours, because <laughs> you're connected all the time, but their the output is actually way less, which is a little bit. Depressing, right? Um, no one wants to work more hours to see less productivity and less output. Um, but that's a- absolutely across the board in like every single industry, every single size of organization. We're seeing that shift, and so what we're seeing now is the result of that, which is a ton of reduction in in organizations at every single company size and with every single level of success and revenue growth, even the highest. You know, most, most revenue producing and highest performing companies are making cuts. And and yep. what's interesting about that is I think people are actually saying, well, we're not seeing the productivity. So how do we trim the fat or how do we not only do that, but also, um, How do we pinpoint areas that are producing and then try and maximize, uh, you know, those resources? And so I think it's actually top of mind and hugely important for every every business and every marketing team to take a look at their organization and understand, again, it's that mentality of doing more with less where if I had to cut 10% or if I had to cut 20%, how do I maximize, um, you know, what I have, the resources that I have? How do I get more out of my people? How do I keep them motivated? How do I get them to align so that we're not doing duplicative work um, or we're, you know, we keep, hit, keep hitting roadblocks every time we try and launch something and it kept, keeps getting delayed. It's causing a lot, the business a lot of money, a lot of, you know, just uh, I would say extra stress it's causing more employee burnout and morale issues it's causing attrition i mean there's just there's lots of aftermath effects um yeah. and i think it's very top of mind so that that's why i also think a lot about that in terms of the doing more with less mentality because i think it's something that every leader is facing
0: and you're exactly right i i, I agree with the points like and my, i myself am, am guilty of it especially working remote like it's it's so easily done it's easy to distract yourself like you say, there's, there's a thousand apps, a thousand social channels, et cetera, you can mess around on, um, which I'm guilty of scrolling LinkedIn every half hour and <laughs> procrastinating. So it's very easily done. But is, is there an answer, especially if you're specifically on marketing, if you've got various members on your team, how do you keep them motivated? How do you keep their activities on track and make sure everyone's aligned on the actual task at hand and working towards that revenue goal?
1: Yeah. So, you know, especially with marketing, because again, you have lots of different functions, everything is cross-functional, both within internally within a marketing team, but also externally with all of your stakeholders. Um, you know, this is why at, at, at Reich, our vision is uh, to create uh, a, an organization, a platform where our vision is to help people do the best work of their lives. And so for us, it's Uh, How do you complete work at scale in a collaborative way where everyone is working in lockstep and has visibility into all of the other things that people are doing? And so uh, we believe, obviously, in work management, we utilize it um, across our full organization. And it is really great to actually have all of our marketers and all of our organization in Wrike, in work management platform, where it's really easy to be able to kick off a project and actually automatically assign it to the various resources who then they have visibility into what's coming down the pipe, you know, what are are things that they need to do this week, this month, this quarter in order to hit, and it rolls up into the business goals. Um, And so that's kind of how we keep keep organized and aligned. Uh, We also utilize, you know, Slack and, um, you know, Zoom and kind of all of those various tools, there is a level of disruption sometimes, right? Because sometimes you'll get a Slack message um, or you'll get an email and it's not in Rike, right? And so that's where we try and combine all of our tools into our consolidated work management platform in Rike, so that we aren't missing data and we're not missing requests um, and that we're fully aligned in terms of all of the projects and tasks that um, are needed, uh, needed to be done for the, you know, for the day.
0: Gotcha. Now, A lot of cuts I've seen in the marketing department have been across roles like brand, brand marketers, event marketers, community marketers, demand gen marketers. Those are some of the main ones I'm seeing. I'm not sure if you're seeing a similar thing. but That's what I'm seeing on LinkedIn. Um, Field marketers, etc. Does that mean that marketers shouldn't be so niche and should learn more disciplines and therefore they are going to be more versatile, they're going to be able to earn more and also be more valuable to the companies that they work within?
1: Oh, well, you know, it's a good question. Um, it's something that, you know, I've, I've done a lot of mentoring and career coaching over, over kind of my tenure and, and also just learning from what I did. I think that there's value to both. Um, I don't think it's necessarily... Um, you know, because you were so niche, uh, you basically, you know, you've kind of pigeonholed yourself, and now there's not really a market opportunity for you. I think there is always a market opportunity. Um, you know, I think what you need to do as you're thinking through your own career progression and what skill sets you bring to the table is one, always understand like how do I showcase my value to the organization. Um, that should always be top of mind, uh, which is, you know, whether you're in field marketing or event marketing or operations or whatnot, it should always be, here's the value that I bring to the table. Here's the value I bring to the organization. And here's uh, why the business, why I'm mission critical to the business, right? And so again, showcasing the ROI, showcasing the value, uh, that should be a constant uh, part of, of, How you present yourself to the business, how you're working, how you deliver on your goals and your outcomes. I think the second piece um, would be around constantly looking at how do you continue to drive more relevant skill sets that can be fully aligned to other parts of uh, a marketing function or other parts of a business to one, make sure that you are fully like that you're constantly learning, that you're constantly innovating. Again, it's part of that partnership and alignment to showcase value, but also Mm -hmm. you can't do it by yourself. You can't just be an event marketer that really doesn't know anything else uh, except this is how I produce events. And largely because It means you're not growing as a person and as, you know, as within your career, uh, but also you're not making yourself relevant, right? So even if you are an event marketer, to me, the next step should be how do you actually build out various types of events, which could include fields, which could include ABM specifically, right? In terms of Hmm. targeted, target account, you know, uh, event marketing, how do you add in that? campaign component and the digital component to your events, because that should be something that you're thinking through is pre, pre-event and post-event. How do you get people to your event? You should be utilizing these channels, right? So I do think that the goal would be, I think absolutely you can be more niche and specialized of like, this is my sweet spot, but especially as a marketer, there's so many aspects and functions where you're touching uh, various, various aspects of marketing. So you should continue to develop that. And that does make you more well-rounded, um eventually, right? Um and so I don't think necessarily everyone has to be a generalist. Yeah. Um I do think that adding in additional skill sets is really important in making you continue to be relevant and continue to add vis- value to your business but also to your function.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a good point. I wrote a post earlier on LinkedIn actually about the five attributes I feel makes marketing legends and one of the points I put in there was thinking like the ceo in the sense that you've got to actually have an active interest in the business you're in you've yes. got to enjoy some form of it whether that's the work itself the output or the results you get for your clients or some element of it um because that way then you're actively encouraged to do those things that you just said there like mm-hmm. learn more about what opportunities are out there develop your skill sets learn new things it's like taking this entrepreneurial mindset so then someday if you want to upskill like you said, if you want to go from a field marketer to a more advanced role, um, maybe you want to start your own side hustle. Maybe eventually you want to start your own side business. If you're doing this learning and development, which is not that hard these days, I mean, just stick on a podcast like this or yeah. read an audio book and then start actioning some stuff yourself. Like that's literally what I've done. Um, it can be done. So, I, yeah, I, I like that point. And I appreciate you pointing that out because that's that's going to be helpful for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let us really, really appreciate you coming on the show. There's been some some great points to to recap from some of the notes that I've taken down. It sounds like the crux of this is assessing your spend, working out which channels are having kind of short term, immediate, high level impact to revenue, and then working from that bottom up and and seeing what what needs to stay, what is worthwhile keeping organic wise, growth wise. Um, and then what's gonna what's gonna have to be cut? Um, productivity wise, being able to do more, being able to make more out of your, your current resources, and perhaps using systems and tools to make sure everyone's aligned and pro- providing the the max value that they can. And then kind of the last point that we uh, we touched on was kind of upskilling and building up your own uh, abilities and level to levels to deliver. So if if there are issues with your company, you're you're not going to be forgotten about. You're going to be actually Proving proving that that you're bringing value to the table, and uh, an asset to the organization you're within or your own company. Um, anything we we haven't touched on?
1: No, I think just as as you're thinking about you know kind of where to focus. So just so you know like my playbook when it comes to kind of just general B two B marketing that I think continues to hold true even in really you know high pressure times kind of thing. Um, and this is something I've brought into, uh, you know, multiple companies, um, as I build out a marketing organization and build out a marketing strategy is number one, it starts with building your foundation. Um, And so really making sure that you have the appropriate infrastructure that can scale, that you have that clean data so that you can segment uh, your audiences and, and really understand what's actually happening in terms of your performance metrics to drive the strategy. That's always something that that should be kind of first and foremost, uh, because if you don't have that, right, then you're stuck in the, we we don't know what's, what's, what's you know, producing. We don't know how to show value um, and we don't know how to scale and accelerate time to market. So that's kind of first and foremost. The second would be to tell your story. Um, and this is what marketing should be doing, right? Which is how do you understand, like, how do you position and differentiate yourself in that market uh, that you're going after? Uh, what is the messaging that resonates? How do you know your audience? And ensuring that you have very hard, impactful, uh, you know, highly resonating type of messaging uh, to really be able to have a unified story across your whole organization, but also across all of your channels. And then the third is to dominate your market. And this is really specific around where and this is kind of that focus aspect which is how do you know like what is the market you should be going after and like get pretty granular about it and then get really focused on that because again that's where you're seeing your biggest opportunity and the most immediate impact and then fully align across an organization across sales and cs and product to figure out like how do we actually dominate that market? How do we actually build a go-to-market strategy in conjunction with a full organization to truly go after that market? And so, at a high level, those are the three things that I think are really important to continue to keep top of mind for mm. any organization, um, and especially as you're going into you know pullback and you know obviously looking into every single channel. But at a high level, those are the three things that I think are most important.
0: It's, yes, yeah, it's, it's a great framework. I think the only thing that that's companies might struggle with is, is the third point dominating your industry as a lot of that is brand work but sadly brand marketers are the ones that get the cut quite often first
1: yeah well and again when I'm you know and I think again it's it's in phases right and right sure. now when you're focused on immediate immediate impact it's Figure out what are those key accounts, what are those key profiles, you know, how do you get down to a point where you've narrowed down that audience and you know exactly the message that resonates and the channels that resonate with them. Figure that out, showcase the value, start to build off of that, right? And then you can start to get to, because I think people start maybe with, you know, we're going to dominate, which means we're going to go and do all the billboards and all of the brand, and, you know, and again, and then they're unable to prove the value. So you start small, yeah. you figure out immediate impact, immediate revenue that you're driving from that market. And then you start to showcase and expand, right? And, and then start to go a little bit wider and, and into yeah. into more of that top of funnel. Well,
0: it's almost like taking a bootstrap startup approach, right? It's looking yeah. for those quick wins, looking for those yeah. quick revenue opportunities, rather than trying to do everything at once and become market yeah. leader a month in but being really savvy with the way you go to market and your spend and like you say homing down your icp and your messaging
1: yeah absolutely
0: good stuff esther really appreciate the conversation some some great points covered so thanks very much for for coming on and um, please do share more about how everyone tuning in can learn more about right yourself and any way you'd like to send the audience to
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, If you want to connect, um, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, It's probably the best way. Um, And then just drop me a note. Um, uh, If you want to learn more about Rike, uh, you can go to rike.com, W-R-I-K-E.com.
0: Awesome. And we'll put all of those links on the show notes at businessgrowth.marketing. Thanks once again. Enjoy the chat.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: No problem. And as always, if you enjoyed today's episode, a quick rating or review on Apple or Spotify is appreciated. Or if you're on YouTube, a quick sub goes a long way and we should catch you on the next one for more no BS actionable B2B marketing tips to grow your revenue. See you soon.